Hi, I am Luke Campbell, and he's Luke Morris. I work for a small company, and you, Luke Morris, you you haven't you've you, you've lost your introduction sheet, haven't you? <laughs> Maybe I have. Maybe I haven't. <laughs> I think you have. I think anybody who's listened to more than one episode knows that that's not the introduction. I'm having a walk on. Let's walk on. Let's do it. Today, together, we are Luke's Talk Wine. We talk about all things wine and booze and popular culture. Think what to drink, why to drink, when we drink it, and the culture that surrounds drinking. Hello, Luke. <laughs> you sound like you've you tied one on last night, did you, Campbell? <laughs> Sunday uh, night, no, not tonight, not last night. You, you didn't ring <laughs> out, ring it out the uh, the veins, so to speak. You feeling uh, okay? You feeling pucker? I am. I am feeling pucker. Yes, thank you very where much, Jamie word, Oliver. Yeah, where did that word go? <laughs> oh, bring it back. Bring it back. More more things need to be pucker. Uh, good afternoon. Good evening. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good afternoon. Good evening. Good night. What's happening? There's plenty happening as always. It's season four, episode eight. Hello to the listening audience wherever you are. You might be running. You might be drinking. You might be sharing a gift with somebody. What you some have done walk is their dogs. I know people walk dogs. Listen to this. Yes, not, every, people, not everyone, but some people do. People do walk the dogs. People do. They pat their cats. Uh, they share a gift and they might listen to your dulcet tones and my annoying ones wherever they are. Good afternoon, good evening, good night to the listening audience. This is Luke's Talk Wine. And this afternoon, this evening, we have got for you another episode ringing in your ears and we We're have not going to keep all... you on any more suspense this episode's going to be good campbell's going to get have you found the email with the information on it <laughs> i have found the email good. thank right. you very much we have some myth busting topics tonight uh this afternoon i am going to talk to you about a bit of a myth i have been wanting to dispel and i want to chew the fat on it with my old mate luke morris and that is the heavier the bottle the better the wine. That is going to be topic <laughs> number one. <laughs> and and secondly, we're going to talk to you about grower champagne. Obviously, uh, Tyson Stelz is gallivanting around the company, uh, country at the moment with his taste champagne events. Some people I know have been. I wasn't one of them this year. I was indisposed. But the buzzword is grower champagne. So what is it? Where does it come from and why is it in existence? So we'll talk about that. We'll discuss that. And we also have a listening question, a burning question. Someone's uh, someone's throwing a bit of gratitude your way, Luke Morris, and that'll be thank oh. you to AJ a oh, little yeah. bit later on. Uh, and so we'll bring his question to the fold, actually. But first up, how are you, Luke Morris? I'm, I'm good. I went to the World Cup final uh, on the Woo-hoo. weekend. That was huge. I'd never been to that stadium, the Grand Old Girl Stadium, Australia. The yes, uh, the, the the big, a the, the, uh, uh, little uh, diamond in the rough. Um, it was a, that's a big thing there. Lots of people. It was a, it was a eighty thousand people turned out. Big spectacle. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was cool. Well, and I say it was it was fun to watch. Um, I, I love going to those games and um, just uh, uh, football, soccer in general. So it was it was really yeah. cool to see the um, geez, Spain were good. Just got us. They they were incredible. And 
a lot of that team is the the um, women's Barcelona team. So, and you could see how well they just moved in unison so much. It was um, it was impressive to watch. So no, that what was, was cool. Com- what was it? What was impressive about that Spain team is the unrest they went through to get there. <laughs> like it puts a bit of it puts a bit of thorn in the side of that kind of the coach and the team have to be in unison. Like it was. Um, there was an article this I saw it on Twitter actually on Code Sports about twelve no fourteen people, fourteen of those ladies, those women, those amazing sports people, wrote to the federation saying, "Oh, this coach is rubbish," you know, oh, blah yeah. blah. We're not going to work anyway. Twelve of those people are no longer in the side, and they just brought in another twelve and. So see you later, ladies. You're off, and these no, ones are in, and they go on to win the World Cup. It's yeah, after, after the Euros, there was 15 of them. 15 of them, and I wrote a letter of yeah. protest, and and three of them begrudgingly um, uh, accepted to be selected for the next. They just the the coach is, um, I think he's the son of the head of the uh, Spanish committee. I think that's where it comes from, and he's right. He's sort of just been given this. Uh, job that Spain, that the head of the committee sort of just thought, you know, who cares about women's football? My son can manage it. There you go. And he's not very good. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> the women's team don't like him and they sort of manage themselves. And it's very, it's very fun to watch them um, celebrate goals and celebrate victories and, you know, run past him and ignore him in everything that they do. So <laughs> it was a, it, we were talk, talking before the game. Um, I, I bring it up mainly because uh, I'm I'm going back to Sydney for Sydney uh, Fringe. I'll, I'll, anybody who wants to come see I, I've, the show, I'm doing the show tomorrow night. In fact, tomorrow is Wednesday, the 23rd in Canberra. I'm doing the Wine Science Show at a place called Smith's Alternative, and uh, that tickets are, are quite at a premium for that. That's great. Um, yeah. But uh, they're not so much at a premium in Sydney. And uh, I think that's just an indication that Sydney Fringe isn't really the same sort of uh, uh, iconic event and people aren't hanging out to go to it and they're not scouring to see what events are on. So nobody's really noticed that I'm there. So (laughs) if anybody wants to come, please come. It's only $15 tickets. It's really good. It'll, it'll be it'll be fun. We'll have a fun old time. Like the Spanish people, I wanted to mention that event. Um, uh, uh, was it the, the, the Spain were great? It was and you know Spanish wine, fantastic, much better than English wine. Hence they won. Um, but also uh, just before the game, having a um a libation at one of the uh, ye olde concrete pubs that are built just on the outside of the Grand Old Girl. And yes. <laughs> uh, someone was having a um, house wine, and he said, what do you want? And he said, it doesn't matter. All, they all taste the same. And I think at that level of house wine budget that they were pouring that night is probably right. You could have a Shiraz <laughs> or a Cabernet or a Merlot, and it's just a color of something. I don't it's, it's very interesting. You, you're going to talk about how much money you spend on wine for the rate of the bottle. We've talked about house wines and, and drinks before, but I think you we can have. get to a point where um, it's just a generic red. It's sad, but it's, it's true. Yeah, I hope you and I never get to 
that uh, stage. I don't know. Are we ever going to get to? We're, we're not going to get to that stage, are we? Oh, I don't order that not. stuff. You know, I I no. I'll have I'll have a beer or something. But um, now, so, so, something else I just want to mention again. Please come to the Sydney show because I've sold no tickets. <laughs> <laughs> we'll put that up on uh, we'll put that up on our There's a link Instagram, on Instagram and we'll yeah. put it in the show notes uh, yeah. uh, as well. We'll get we'll get people to the show, Luke Morris. Don't worry about that. Please do. But yeah, what's what's what are your thoughts? You 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 went to mention about quality of wine that you can get inside vessels inside the uh, plastic cup at the bar outside Stadium Australia. The quality of wine isn't very high, but do you think the quality of wine in a big bottle? You raise, you raise a good point, and let, let's as as a as a starting off as a jumping off point. Let's start there. So, for me, you, you've just answered it. So, and I, I think I'll go over it to or go back to go forwards. You just answer it. You, you walk into a bar and you think, oh, gee, I just I just want something, you know, either cleansing or, you know, a little bit savory. So let's have it just cheap and cheerful. Let's look at the house wines. And and if you don't if you don't find something you either recognize, is this how I'm just putting myself in your you're outside Stadium Australia, you're thinking, geez, I want a libation to celebrate this historic occasion. Uh, you know, but I'm going into the old grand old girl for a night, so it's going to be costly. Let's, you know, let's go cheap and cheerful here. So you rock up to the bar. How does it go from there? What do you look for? Oh, well, no, well, at this bar, to be honest with you, they had house red, house white. Didn't even tell you what was in the grapes that were involved. You might as well be ordering fish and chips. Yeah. Uh, so at, at, at that point, yeah, and like me, you know, you look to the right and you look to the left and you survey the, the people and you think, yeah, you know what, this isn't a wine-centric venue. I'm just going to have <laughs> a, a beer or perhaps I might even, you know, if I might want to splurge out, I might have a, a cocktail. In this case, it might have been a sangria or something with Spain playing on. Uh, Is I that wish, how it goes? Man, so. I wish. We were talking <laughs> on, the, on, the, on the trip in, we were just going – I, I'd love to get some sangria or something like that just for the fun of it, but no. We're, we're weighing up whether or not you could get some buck fizz for the English, but we actually think that's <laughs> Scottish. And uh, sangria, buck fizz but, is Scottish, we're yeah. close. <laughs> so we didn't. We, we, I almost taunted a, uh, an Englishman, uh, a, a Scottish friend of mine, by saying, "Oh, it's great seeing Britain out here tonight." It would have really. <laughs> anyway, no, no sangria. So, it's just general generic red. So it's at that it's at that point you you make the decision as the consumer because you're a consumer just like me we're all consumers you make the decision all right I'm going to have a, a, a beer I'm not going to have a wine because yeah. this doesn't look like a wine establishment yeah. myself it, absolutely so if we ever walk into a party or a cocktail party or whatever and my wife sees me drinking beer she knows the wine selection is rubbish <laughs> that, that, that that is a cue that is a cue for my gorgeous wife. Um, wife of 13 years, she knows if I'm drinking beer, basically the wine's rubbish and there's no better alternative. Oh, wow. um, and, and that that's her cue. And now so everyone else it, knows that too. That's a good thing to look out <laughs> oh, for. I'm excited. It's just between friends, just between friends. It can be really hard to justify opening a bottle of wine from the cellar on a Tuesday night when all you want is one glass. And that's why we've started Unbottled Wines. We're delivering seasonally curated ultra-premium wines from acclaimed Australian winemakers. These are wines that have never before seen the inside of a box, and may never again. Why a box? Because the box keeps wine fresh for up to 40 days after it's opened, unlike the bottle, which goes off after three or four. So if you would like to be able to drink exceptional wine one glass at a time, check out Unbottled Wines. Use the code VINIFIED at checkout and save 10%.
but that's and so this this question gets raised: Does a heavy wine bottle, you know, signify a better a better wine? I want to answer this today. While premium wines require, you know, they do require polish and and, and stylish packaging. Do heavyweight bottles make a deciding or a determining factor for a wine's quality, Luke Morris? Uh, look, the, the answer is is one of those very beautiful yes or yes and no's. Uh, <laughs> because in the, the no department is you can just buy a bottle and put anything in it you want. And that's that's the that's the quality of the wine that's in the bottle. There's no there is absolutely no um uh physical connection between the two but there is a psychological connection and and uh, i'll give you the example of pure psychology which is uh Qantas did a test on flights and they were trying to lower the cost of air travel for them mainly for not for the customer but to reduce the cost of fuel for them and so they were using, I think, very light um, knives and forks when they were serving to their customers. And they found that the quality of food perceived went down. And so when they mm. reintroduced slightly heavier knives and forks and things that you know had, had weight within them, the perceived quality of the food, which was exactly the same food, went up. And so there was a, a, a an associated perception of the elements that were connected to the meal improved the perception of that meal. And so, ergo, you put a really high quality product in uh, a, 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 a product in a high quality environment that will raise the the status of that product. And it's also a little bit why people do it; they want to give that extra. Um, impression that this is the best we can do and it's not only the best we can do this is the best glass we can use and these are the best labels we can use and this is the best you know surrounding the whole thing that we can do this is all connected to being the best product and for that reason yes you will find that the you know the the bigger density bottle is usually spent on the one that they've spent the most money on and therefore there is a connection there's no and that's all psychological connection. There's no other connection. It's all psychological. And so, are you saying that lighter bottles have an image problem? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, heavier weighted bottles are expensive, but they increase the serotonin or whatever it is in the frontal lobe to think you're hitting, you're going closer to that hedonistic society and yeah. above hedonism all it's a good word for it. yeah hedonism it's all about hedonism luxury spending and all that kind of thing is that what we is that where we're going with this i'll draw i'll draw uh, parallels between mount mary quintet and yep. uh let's say the diane madeline uh, from cullen yeah and mount mary quintet i remember the first time i got given one of those bottles i thought it was the cheapest piece of junk i'd seen in a very long time and then was told that it's like a hundred dollar bottle and it's one of the icons of Australian wine but it's just a very um not very thin but it's, it's, it's a very lightweight basic old school burgundy bottle 
And then mm-hmm. the Diane Mandeline, also a Cabernet blend and, you know, uh, one of the icons in Australian wine, I don't know, maybe powerful in price, you know, tapered, tall bottle and impressive labelling and all, all looks really smick and jazzy. And there's nothing, I'm not calling them wrong for doing that or, or Mount Mary wrong for doing what they do, but the, the, the impression is, is there. That, that, that there's the quality is still inside the bottle, but the, the, the way they present is very different. What about if you had th- there's a couple of things here? So, so thicker glass would make for better aging, wouldn't it? Ah, okay. So, you, well, you, now you're talking about aging only in terms of sun penetration into the wine yeah, itself, light. Um, because you don't want the you might know the terms, but whatever the light is that impacts on the on the wine. Um, yeah, ultraviolet uh, light. The ultra, so, yeah. But if you if you say a good example of this would be the thick bottles of Dom Perignon, which are quite thick and they've got a deep punt, which are built, they're made to be aged or aging compared to say a a bottle of non vintage moat or something, like which is not very thick. Um, it's thick enough to hold the pressure, but it's not like that big kind of muscled up bottle that we're talking about. So I wonder, I, I don't know, I don't have that technical answer for the, but I'm, it'd be interesting. The, the bottle, these, the bottles, my quib is the bottles are awkward to fit in standard wine racks. <laughs> whether, you, whether you're managing a cellar or putting a wine list together, there are pains in the bum. Yeah. Yeah. But we, I get these through work all the time. So this, this happens yeah. when, um, uh, there's there's a winery at the moment that's that's gone belly up. Happens fairly regularly. They've got some 2015, 2016 stock, and a new owner has come through and bottled that from their tank into big thick bottles, and put mm. on the racks racks cap. You know, nice looking uh. label. Away she goes. Customers pick those up and think, holy dooly, there's there's a hundred and fifty dollar looking product. Now I'm buying it for thirty dollars. Fantastic. Whoop de do. I don't know how much that was worth when it was originally packaged, when it was originally being made. I don't know how much it cost to make even, but it looks... But it would, co- it it would cost part. more to use those weighty bottles. Generally, it would cost the wine producer more than standard ones, wouldn't it? Because you'd, you'd have to change your bottling machine. You, the weight oh. of the cartons would be more to more to extra dollars to send it somewhere. Transport, yeah. No, it doesn't cost more for bottling, I don't think. You, you just have to calibrate okay. the, the bottling machine. And... Most bottling machines, the racks, you just have to, you know, they're, they're on sort of like, uh, I don't want to say calipers, but they're like, um, uh, they've got they've got adjustments and you just sort of adjust it to the bottle shape and away she goes. Um, okay. And it's not, it's not too hard, but it is rating. It is, they're more expensive because there's more glass in them. So they cost more money and then more money to freight because they take up more weight on um in transport you know same thing if you go to Oz post and you're paying you know nine dollars you pay whatever for per kilo costing more money to send so myth busted it's not necessarily better wine in a better bottle no, no. i good no and and, and i'm thinking there's there's heaps of examples i can think of but it's it's not it's not it's not one equals one, but it is one equals 
point seven. Yeah, because <laughs> he wouldn't waste your time. Normally, he just wouldn't waste your time spending the money on the packaging and all the all the other ones and twos for one that people are going to be disappointed by. Well, you heard it here, folks. You heard it here first. The bigger the bottle, not necessarily the better the wine, but it is making you think that. So there's just be mindful co- next time you're in a bottle shop. There is a correlation, but there's not a direct causation. Next question coming at you is grow a champagne. What is it? <laughs> Why do we have it? What's your experience with grow champagne, Luke Morris? Uh, I, I just, you telling me, talking about Tyson's thing, I just think this whole, look, my whole thing about, so grow champagne is like a small producer champagne. It's like a, a vineyard. It's like the the. It's like a um, vignon, champagne, isn't it? Yep. Like it let's is. get let's, let's define terms. It's a vignon yep. champagne, which is unlike big houses who just buy fruit from all kinds of vineyards. It's a small. It's the person who who manages the vineyard also makes the wine. It's a direct. It's re, re, I can I could never pronounce it, but it's re, re, cultulant manipulant. R-E-C-O-L-T-A-N-T, new word, M-A-N-I-P-U-L-A-N-T, signifying that these are fruits grown, harvested, and produced by the same owners of the vineyards. And they have been around a while. Yeah, but I don't know. Uh, Yeah, that's good. I I like it. I I sort of just think promoting champagne is a weird thing to do. Yes, it's just it's a very image based product. And yeah. What well um, what I love about the growers of the champagne is they're trying to dissect the market. And whereas all the big houses that we've grown up with in our industry and people would be aware of, that, that shall remain nameless, uh they these are championing blends. Whereas a grower oh, champagne is championing a vineyard where the champagne is grown. They're championing their vines and their harvest of which they produce and gets turned into great champagne. I think it's important that these guys, uh, you know, the artisan champagne producers, if you will, um, get recognised. I think it's a bit of a buzzword now. It's probably a little bit overused, um, like, natural wine or orange wine, grower champagne. It's probably a little bit overused, but we should support. These are the little guys coming out and having a go. Um, you, now, yes. now you just make it sound like people in their backyard just having a go, giving it a dip. They're, they're good producers. The usual focus is on uh, much more site-selective kind of uh, terroir-based champagne versus the generic non-vintage, taste it the same every year, Verbico, Bollinger kind of style. Correct. Yeah. Correct. There's there's often a diversity of flavour and a diversity of yeah. um, styles found more so in the growers, the growers of champagne that there is in those big houses because the big houses are obviously trying to make a recipe so it tastes the same for you and I year in, year out. But the growers are the antithesis of that, although they still – um, perform and take part in those wonderful champagne making techniques, which are standard and have to happen by law. 
the idiosyncratics of what happens in the vineyard and the winery are a little bit more further apart from the traditional Champenois houses. Can I throw a question at you on this? Yes. If a grower champagne wants to stand out, why make champagne as in fizz? Why not revert to things like a table wine? Why not use their Pinot Noir for for Pinot, well, I suppose Pinot Noir up there isn't as good as Pinot Noir from Burgundy, but it, it would be, I don't know, would it be more unique? Would it make them stand out more to have table wines from champagne as opposed to fizz? Well, you wouldn't be allowed to do it by law. No? No, you couldn't make a you couldn't make a still wine up there and call it champagne non frizzante. I don't know. I don't know what the words are in French, but <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, there's, there's some. I, th- I thought Bollinger or somebody had some table wine Pinot Noir. Mm. I've seen a bottle. I'm sure I have. I well, it was well, sparkling red. I don't, oh gosh, now. Uh, still wine in Champagne. There was. There is. Um. They do make Aglierie make. Um, yes. Oh, Egg. What's it called um. Uh, they yeah they do make something, but what it's called is it's not champagne though, and the way they get around it is it's alkaline Rat- ratafia, ratafia which is a liqueur, and the only reason it can be still is because they're adding champagne back to it. So it's called ratafia de champagne, and it's a liqueur made in champagne. It's like an aperitif made from freshly picked champagne grapes. Oh. And then it's fortified with champagne, not a lot, mind you. So it doesn't taste like port. It's a little bit more refreshing, like musket the bones of anise. Um, but it is, it's Eglurio it make it straight out of Pinot Noir, and it's kind of like a, it's a rosé colour. It's like one of those orange rosés that comes out of Provence nowadays. But that's not really a, a steel wine. I'm pretty sure you can't. You couldn't make a still wine in Champagne. Well, one you can. You there's, there's, I've just googled. You got Cotu Champons, C O T E A U X Cotu Champons, zero point seven percent of production in the region. So it's very right. Point. Say that again. Zero point seven. So less than one percent. Of uh, production as of last year. Well, there you go. There you go. There's a few, a few little houses have they have, have Coet to Champoise. Yeah. Coet to Champoise. There you go. White and red, Mounier and Pinot Blanc feature with some Chardonnay. Well, there you go. There I you love go. it. Coet, Coet to Champoise. I love it, Luke. I'm learning. Even Luke's talk wine's talking me, telling me something. I love it. <laughs> So what, what um, do you, do you, I, I just threw that out there as a, as a way for these small growers to get more distinction. What do you think of their champagne? You, you've been to their um, tastings before. What do you think? Yes. No, I, I really love it. I, I'm all for, um, you know, I, I think I'm all for people having a go like and, and turning things inside out. Like, as, as you know, I love – people who can skin the cat a different way. And I, and I think the growers have decided to give a big middle finger dance to some of these bigger guys and said, no, 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 
no, no, no, sir, we're going to do it our own way and have our own crack. And I, and I think some of those pristine champagnes and some of the best pristine sparkling wines that I've tasted come out of France are, you know, such, you know, Salos, Agrippa, uh, Le Mondier Bernier, um, you know, s- s- some of these growers um, are pretty sensational. And I think that well, Eglieurier is another one. I, I think they're superb to source to, to sort out they're pretty amazing if you can source them out or you see them on a wine list try them you'll be amazed yeah 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 i think they're um, they're very unique and they're very good and i think it's well worth looking at i, I think that grower champagne should be sought after and any lists that i write i definitely make sure they're on there that's for sure so there's yeah, enough, there's often, enough often, around in Australia. Better. Yeah, there is. There's a couple of big um, companies that bring in top grower champagnes. So I think it's important we recognise them. And we've certainly recognised them here on Luke's Talk Wine today. Hmm. Bonza, bonza. Some of my Bonza Bonza. Some some of my favourites that I've mentioned there. Have you, have you had much experience with grower champagne? Not a lot. I I couldn't I couldn't name the names. I do, I do yeah. know uh, Le Mondier, um, but uh, I always remember them being a lot more. Um, there's a lot more character. There's there's usually a lot more fresh citrus, a lot more food friendly, a lot more oyster friendly kind of wines. There's there's a real. Yeah. There's a real personality to them, like that the big houses are fun, but they're just very um, samey and they're enjoyable. But when you when you get something that's in the same bucket but different, and you just step back and you go, "Whoa, that's something," and it makes you it makes you sort of I want to say fall in love with it again, kind of thing. Yeah, because it's. It's the thing you liked, but not not in the same dress. Does that make sense? It's probably a bit condescending in some way. I don't know. Anyway, no, no, not at all, idea. not at all. It does make sense, absolutely. Speaking of making sense, yeah, I've got a listener here, a listener question, and people can get in contact with us. They can slide into our DMs, Luke Morris, on the Instagrams of the world, or how else can they get in contact with us? Yeah, I, I would say use the DMs. Go, go DM us. You know, get get into the D, Ds and the Ms. Uh, Instagram, you can uh, use that. Um, uh, oh, there's also Luke's Talk Wine at gmail.com. I think that's what we've got. We've invested very heavily into um, uh, not having our own at handle yet. If um, if this podcast takes wind, we'll probably still not invest heavily. And get our own at handle, but that just means that we don't have to change our email address. And you can just constantly email every day of the week for the rest of your life, Luke's Talk Wine at Gmail dot com, and always get us. And that's exactly what AJ has. AJ has uh, been is li- a seasoned, rusted on listener, and he's been listening for a while. And AJ writes in the long form via the email. Greetings. Oh, nice. I can't express <laughs> great strong start. Strong That's start. That's a good start. <laughs> it is. AJ has yeah, big words to start. It continues. I can't express enough gratitude to Luke Morris for introducing me to this captivating podcast. Oh. Full stop. 
As a novice in the enchanting realm of wine, I must confess that I find myself utterly drawn to the mystique and allure of red wine. Full stop. Geez, had some red wine, I reckon. Yep. <laughs> However, a burning question has arisen within me. Continue strong. Must I venture into the realm of white wines to truly immerse myself uh-huh. in the boundless wonders of the wine world? Thank you, comma, AJ. Well, AJ, we've got multiple answers for this very um, strong question because the old Luke Morris, I can answer on behalf of Luke what? Morris, the old oh. Luke Morris would say, thank you very much, AJ, you do you, and then would stop their period. That would I be the end of the was, question. When you said there's going to be multiple <laughs> answers, I was going to say, yeah, no. Next question. <laughs> That's the old Luke Morris, AJ, yeah, but the yeah. new Luke Morris. New, new, new Luke Morris uses Morris even say? less words. Nah. <laughs> less oh, you don't have to. I mean, I mean, I would. <laughs> what, so, so what does AJ? You don't, you don't have to. So, what does AJ do? What do you think? No, you go, you go, Campbell. Well, I, I reckon he started with red wine. You know, so red wine's kind of red. Red. How good am I? I haven't had red, red, day, Yeah, so. go on. Um, he started with red wine. Red wine is almost the easiest place to start. It's a little bit like port or West Coast cooler. Red wine is full of fruit and, and you know, our, our organ electrical our, or our, our sense and sensibilities can take it in quite easily um, because we can recognise those fruits. We can recognise uh, if the winemaker, he or she is using oak. Um, we can recognise if it's bitter or sweet. Done, dusted. The allure of red wine, bang. Uh, you've discovered it already, AJ. But then you go on to say about white wine. Does he have to enter the realm of white wine to truly immerse oneself? Entering that realm is quite difficult, actually, because as soon as you pick up a white wine, you're confronted with all of these senses of uh, intimidating senses that almost cost your olfactory system immediately. You also have a set of flavours that you may not have encountered before in your life. Uh, And it's also the reason why generally when you taste wines in France or even Italy in some cases, but mainly in France, you actually taste red wines first and then the white wines and then Uh the sparkling. So if you're going to go to a cellar door in France or or in the Rhone Valley, say, uh, you would taste red wines first, then you would taste the white wines and then you would taste the champagne. And there's many reasons you do that. But initially, the first reason is because of that. You identify with the fruit sweetness of a red wine much faster than what you do with a white or sparkling. Similarly, in the judging world, uh, it takes you a lot longer to get put up to judge any white wines or any sparkling wines because they're most uncommon or you need need a particularly discerning palate to be able to um, talk and identify and break down both white wines and sparkling. I haven't answered I have not answered your question, AJ. Must I venture into the realm of white wines to truly immerse myself in the boundless wonders of white wine, of of the wine world? My argument is yes. Yeah. That's my argument. I rest my case, Joy. I was was saying no because you don't have to do, you know, stuff just because other people tell you to. But the... The nuance that you get in white wine is far greater than you can get in red wine. 
and I guess that makes complete sense now when you say that you become a red wine judge before you become a white wine judge. Mm. I'd never, I'd never heard that. Yeah. That, um. So to to really, I guess, I guess the question is, I say partly, like, what? Yeah, I don't. I don't think there's any point in trying to get somebody to have to enjoy something that they currently don't like. But if you're a red wine drinker, I suppose to enter into the white wine world, you'd you'd what moving through with Chardonnay or a Burgundy. I, I think I think to, to un, got un, similarities. How how would you help someone move across? Uh, yeah, I, I think to understand. I think to understand, to understand how to how to help someone move across, I would just go to what I would I would pick my fear. So if I've got this fear of acid and reasoning, I'd go straight there, AJ, and just think I'd just confront my fear head on because it's probably going to give you the biggest surprise. Um, that, other people might say go softly, softly, and start with Sauvignon Blanc or Pinot Gris or whatever. I wouldn't. I'd just Drown in reasoning until you, you, you like it. Oh, that'd be that'd be just that'd be what I do. I'd be drowning in reasoning. You'd be drowning in reasoning. Well, no, you'd be drowning in port, wouldn't you? You'd oh gosh, that'd be port. fun. Oh uh, yes. uh, Pedro Jimenez Sherry would be fun. Ooh. Yes. No, so I think to truly enter into yeah. the boundless wonders of the wine world you probably do have to make a foray into white wines but like we might have said if you like it it's a good wine you don't have to kind of you know bury yourself in you know rotundones and antithysons and leucocythons and all that sort of palaver to get involved that you get out of white wine you can just stick to drinking red wine and suffering tannin headaches he's a no that's a bit harsh but here's the thing (laughs) He's, I, so the the company I work for had a big tasting on the weekend, and oh, yeah. I was speaking to a customer, and he said that he ran around, he loved Beaujolais, he'd never had Beaujolais before, loved it, Ooh, uh, yeah. had gone around, tasted all the European, tasted all the wines, and then he purchased uh, two dozen Shiraz because you know now he knows that's what he really likes, and I thought that was just a, it was like it was a good answer in the sense of you know he's he's he's, he's switched on to what he really likes but also i thought it was odd that he was experiencing other things and enjoying them and then decided not to go down that path anymore to sort of like well this is really good let's close the door on that and <laughs> never look at it again <laughs> I, don't, I don't quite get that frame of and it's I'm like fine like fine i just don't i just don't connect with that sort of there's a whole world out there and you just want to say let's not go down that path <laughs> you know you know what i'm saying oh uh, i hear being, you i'm not I being mean you. to someone i just don't understand the, the mindset of let's let's never but i think aj aj sounds like he's He's open to the idea. He's just, like I said, probably a bit tentative. And how do you start? And it's maybe, maybe it's going, going and have fine foods that you love that you can't match with red wine. And, well, that's another good way to be. So, yeah, yeah, my 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 call is face your fears and run headlong to it. Whatever you're scared of, whether it's be wooded chardonnays from Margaret River 
or heaven forbid it's Riesling, but maybe it is Riesling, Rad headline in it. Luke Morris has got another great suggestion. Find those favourite foods of yours that don't match the red wine and pick a white wine and see how your senses get heightened, AJ. AJ, thanks for playing. Thanks for getting involved in Luke's Talk Wine. Um, As this episode kicks along... Hey, Campbell, by the way, I spoke to AJ. He went to the tasting. There was a cheese and wine tasting. Mm -hmm. He, He made point to tell me that I was right. Cheese and wine don't mix. Just, uh, just letting you know. Cheers. <sighs> this old chestnut. <laughs> the right wines with the right cheese will be fine. But we can go over this again, maybe next season. <laughs> but thank you very much. Um, what I would like to do is draw this episode to a question, and that is. What have you been drinking, Luke Morris? Oh, it's truth. What have I been drinking? Uh, well, beer, because I went to Stadium Australia and I didn't have any good wine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, fair bump, play on. Um, oh, I can't remember. I think I had something last week that was good. I had a uh, Richardson Reserve from the Blue Pyrenees. Wow. That's a bit of a throwback for you. That is a throwback. How mm. was it? That was good. It was like drinking mm. a lamb roast, mate. And, and <laughs> I tell customers that, and they don't know what I mean. They 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 just don't understand that definition. But I'm sure you would sort sort of know what I mean by that. Absolutely, yeah. Minty yeah. and savoury and chewy and dark and woody, yeah. all, all of the above. Yeah, all yep. of that. No, good good wine and, and enjoyable. And yeah, blue Pyrenees. I I remember that as a wine that when I started in the industry and you know, I was selling that for like. Ten fifteen dollars a bottle, just the blue Pyrenees wines, and customers would always tell me, "Oh, you should try their Richardsons, mate. They're the really good ones." <laughs> and you know they were only available, you know, sort of through Salador. But now they've um, uh, they got access to a bit more stuff, and gosh, it is good. When I mean, you got good vineyard and you can make good wine, gosh, you turn up with that kind of stuff. Well done. Yeah. Well done. Well, I haven't seen a Blue Pyrenees wine for a long time, but gosh, there was a moment in time there where you just couldn't get away from them. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I think they got too big for their boot. Oh, well, not too big for their boots. But it's just too big for themselves because, uh, uh, yeah, you make something. You, you get that brand starts to become known for the, the lower products and the big product. But um, anyway. What about you? What's mm. happening with you, Luke Campbell? You've um, uh, I anything? back. I found yeah, back on the um, back on the Pinot train. I got off a little bit, and I was on there. I was on the Grenache. No, but um, I've been drinking a little bit of Pinot. We had at at a, at Vinify. We had our friends from Escarpment come across the ditch, and Tim Bourne, who took over from Larry. McKenna uh, has got yeah, Larry McKenna has got escarpment heading in such a great direction. He bought his single vineyards with him, and I've been drinking a bit of the Kiwa, the Kiwa, the Pa High, and the Te Prua. They're all named after gods, actually. Um, and the escarpment comes from Martinborough, which was just yeah, it's just really just that cherry red fruit, lovely. And I mean, they'll reward careful celery, of course, but for me, um. Yeah, I, I just couldn't stop drinking it. 
Um, smart wines. They're very smart wines in that kind of 50 range. They're not everyday drinking, um, but they are certainly worth it. They are, they're, they're on the site too. If people want to look up bitofire.com and go into the shop, they'll find it. Do they still do that Pinot Gris? They do. It's Pinot, um, Pinot Blanc they do. Um, oh, okay. Yes, which is very rare, but also quite delicious. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, the Pinot, yeah, that's the other thing last week. I, I had a glass of a Pinot Blanc with, um, I can't remember what it was. It was something, a bit of spice. So there you go, AJ. It's something with a bit of spice if you like some salt and pepper screwed or something and a little bit of Pinot Blanc. Yum, yum. Superb. Well, yum, yum. This episode has been yum, yum, and it has come to its conclusion. So thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for being part of Luke's Talk Wine. Don't forget, I have been Luke Campbell from Vinified Wine Services. He has been Luke Morris. You can find us out there on the www. But in the Luke, words of the now Luke Morris infamous, at the Sydney Fringe at the Factory Theatre, please buy a ticket. Oh, yeah, Just don't one. Forget. Just one would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> so we can fund Luke Morris's uh, jaunt around Sydney, get involved, look him up. Oh, I'm actually going there to help a friend, but my friend was like, hey, why are you there? Why don't you do a gig? And I was like, okay, yeah, sure. That sounds like fun. And then, yeah, now I'm like, oh, so I've got to pay venue hire and marketing. And, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so anyway. Uh, You'll get there. Good, good luck, afternoon, Luke good Morrison. evening, good, good night. Is that where you're going? That's where I'm going. You better believe it. Good afternoon, good evening, and good night. And in the words of Tony Barber, keep smiling and bye for now. Would you like to be smarter and do good in the world? Luke Morris here. I sold out shows at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival with the Wine Science Show. And now that show is in book form. It's only $15 and 100% of profits go to charity. So donate and learn and laugh with the Wine Science Show book. Go to lukemorrisha.com.au or follow the link in the Luke's Talk Wine Instagram bio.